Hi, this is Hal Donaldson of the Convoy of Hope, and I'm coming to you from the World Distribution Center. And since the disaster that hit the Philippines, Convoy of Hope has been responding in a very big way. Now to date, more than 160,000 meals have been distributed. We have earmarked three million meals to be distributed in the coming days. Now this is going to be a long-term recovery effort. This is not one of those disasters that's going to be over when the cameras stop rolling. But because of your partnership with Convoy of Hope, people's needs are being met. We have multiple distribution points. They're receiving food and they're receiving pure drinking water and much, much more. You've made that possible. So please know this, because of your trust, your partnership, we will be there for the long haul. God bless. All right, we have an opportunity now to give to ministries like Convoy of Hope and others like that uh, through Kingdom Builders and through our miracle offering. And I want to let you know that they are a strategic partner of ours. Uh, we have already committed at the start of this year, not knowing what they'd be involved in. We said, you're in for $50,000. And uh, when we get the money and the miracle offering and all that, we are sending this and uh, blessing Convoy of Hope. And so we've always been a partner with them and they've been somebody that we've worked with. I can let you know that uh, I've already raised it to 100000 for next year uh, with Convoy of Hope. We were just excited, and uh, I'm just going to let you know your pastor gets caught up in giving. All right? I hope you do, too. And uh, it's a good thing. We're going to help the, the least of these, and that's what Kingdom Builders is all about. That's what this miracle offering is all about. And uh, today, as we look into the message, I'm going to explain a little bit about miracle offering and Kingdom Builders, how we got to this day, and then entering into the happiness of the giving with God. And um, I want to let you know that we raise money for missions. We raise money to dig wells where people need water. We are starting churches in India through Kingdom Builders and your miracle offering. And uh, the largest church planning initiative in the history of the world. Never before has anyone ever tried to start 25,000 churches. And we were the, one of the first churches in. And we said, we're going to help them start 25,000 churches in India. And we're in. And Kingdom Builders and Miracle Offering is a part of it. Um, we purchased that house in Cuba. And as I promised, it's not a campus. Uh, we just purchased that house. And they turned it into a church in Cuba. And we are doing that through Kingdom Builders and through your giving. In Estonia, we're helping to start a whole new church planning initiative. All these things that are going on where they're, they're, the church is not at. And you got to understand, over and over and over again, uh, we are doing so much good through Kingdom Builders. And that's why I'm, I'm so excited about this day. This is one of those messages that I, I get so excited. I preach, I think faster than I'm preaching. Does that make sense? I get excited and I think faster than I'm preaching, so I hope this comes through. But uh, we are one of the leading churches in the whole United States of America, and it's because of Kingdom Builders. When I talk about that, leading churches in giving, and I can let you know that uh, we go to different things uh, around the world, and, and they're always asking us to be a lead church in. Will you be the lead one in, and will Kingdom Builders grab hold of this, and will you encourage other churches? And so through this, we are encouraging other churches, and it's been an incredible thing to see our church just grow in our giving and understanding what this is all about. 
Just to let you know that uh, we set a goal at the beginning of the year of $2.5 million. And when we set that goal of $2.5 million, I can remember that people thought, okay, Pastor Rob had too much pizza this week, all right? I don't think he heard from God. It was pizza. But I'm telling you what, we, we believe we heard from God, and here's why. Uh, this year, already, we've received uh, $1.597,441,000 already this year, okay? Now, to put that in perspective, last year, we had only received $1.6 million, uh, roughly about that much, for the whole year, including our miracle offering. Our miracle offering was almost three-quarters of a million dollars. So you can see that we're already there, and I can tell you right now, I think I was hearing from God. And to be honest with you, just being very transparent, I actually think he might have wanted to stretch me even more because I just look at that and I see what we can do as a church with expansion, with more campuses, with the strength that we've got going on because all we have left to raise is $902,559. That's all we have left. Doesn't that sound funny to say? All we have left is 902000 it's nothing. Somebody just said it's nothing, but uh, it's a good thing. And I believe that God is going to do more than that through us. I really do. My faith is rising up. And I want to let you know that whether you made a pledge or not, this is your opportunity with our Miracle Offering Weekend to jump in on this because over 50% of the people that give on our Miracle Offering are people that did not make a pledge. They did not make a pledge and they just got involved in this and they said, hey, this is neat, this is good. They heard about it maybe partway through the year. Maybe they're even watching online. I'm not just talking to the campuses here. I'm talking that we live stream this. There might be people wherever you're at and you're saying, I want in. There's a way to give online and be able to do that. This is just an exciting opportunity for us to say, let's do more to advance the kingdom of God. And so above and beyond our regular giving, we set that goal and we go for it. And as you can see, uh, just a gigantic sum of money has come in already. And we have this remaining. But we're, we're saying over and above our regular giving, you know, not our, our normal giving. Don't just this week scratch out your regular giving and put something in for kingdom builders. This is an opportunity for us to say above and beyond that, we're going to advance the kingdom of God and do something to really make an impact around the world. Now to explain this, I want to explain how we get here because here are some of the things that people do. The first thing that a lot of people do when they think about giving and giving over and above, and I encourage you to do this, a lot of people think like this. They say, well, I'll have a plan to give, and I think that's really good. You know, the, the Bible talks about that we could purpose in our heart. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, God loves a cheerful giver. There's something about planning to give and saying, God, I'm making a plan, and I think that's really good. Many of you said we could plan to give. We're going to do this each week. We could give this much, and every week we'll do that. And the Bible talks about planning is good, that the plans of the diligent lead to profit. And so we can make plans. We can do that. It's a good thing. God likes it when we look at what we have and say, here's my plan. I'm going to do this. Some of you, maybe you started with that. I remember the first time Becca and I made a pledge, and it was $50 a month. That was our plan. Now, you've got to understand, our car payment was $166 a month. We didn't have a lot, and so our first pledge was $50 a month, and we made a plan, and we put it in there just like it was a bill, but it was more than a bill. It was generosity that God was teaching us to do, and we did that. We had that plan, and, and I love that 
God wants us to plan, and if that's the way you're giving and you're here at this moment with the miracle offering and you made a plan and you've been working that plan and you've got that you know, last amount ready that you're gonna give in the next couple of weeks, praise God for that. But how many know that when you start with plans, God just has a way of blowing way past your plans? I can remember when I planned to start this church, I said, God, here's my plan. I am gonna grow this church with your help to a thousand people. That's awesome. I mean, for me, that, that plan was incredible. I kind of, okay, so over 10 years, if we do this and we did this and this, I think we can get there. I, I just wonder that God just must have been laughing hysterically. Like, I have such a bigger plan than you have. How many know that you start saying, God, here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. But just starting with a plan, all of a sudden, God engages to a whole nother level. And he's like, I'm going to blow your mind with that plan. Because that's what he does. And I can remember when the church got to 1,000, I can remember thinking like, all right, we're here. Now what do I do? And God's like, well, get a bigger plan. Get a bigger plan. I've got more. And and the church kept growing and growing and growing. I didn't even dream of multi-site. And now here we are with the plan for 24 campuses in Minnesota, 24 international campuses. I'm talking about raising millions of dollars, saying we have only 900,000 left. Come on, let's do it. I mean, how many know that it starts with a plan, but then God sees that, and there's something that happens there? There's something that happens in you when you start with a plan. And if that's what happened to you, and you started with a plan to give, I thank God for that. Whatever you've determined in your heart to give, I thank God that it started with a plan, and we're here today with miracle offering. And I would say this, whenever you have a plan, work the plan. Work the plan. It takes work. Work it. Be faithful. Don't give yourself an excuse and work the plan. But how many of them, once you get a plan and you start giving that way, all of a sudden God stretches your faith? And all of a sudden he says, why don't you get a vision of what you could give? Why don't you get a vision? Why don't you think bigger than you? Why don't you think you and me? I know that's a whole different level when you start realizing it's not just, God, can I put this in as a bill? It's not a bill. God, could I put a number down as we look towards kingdom builders, as we look towards miracle offering? Could I put a number down that's a vision number? Like, you're going to get involved with this. And I'm telling you what, if you've worked the plan, you need to go to the next level of having that vision and saying, God, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to get excited about this and, and, and go to the next level. And how many know... If you're going to do that, and I hope many of you did this, I challenge you at the beginning of the year to write down the vision. Now, I know Habakkuk 2.2 talks about write down the vision, make it plain so the people can see it, but I think we should write down the vision of what we want to give always, every year, when we say, God, I have a vision of what I could do if you would help me. And I think you should write it down because when you write it down, it's there to show you God's faithfulness. I'm going to tell you this, I'm a firm believer in writing down the vision and uh, saying, okay, God, here's, here's what, I, what I think I can do. Um, I, 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 with your help, I'm going to stretch and I'm going to do that. And uh, for us, for Becca and I this year, we wrote down a vision goal, and it's amazing to get to this moment and say, wow, how did God do that? How many can identify with me with that? You just kind of get there. You're like, wow, how did God do that? We wrote it down. We we didn't think it was possible in our own strength, but God had to have shown up. And I encourage you, if you give and you're at this moment, celebrate with me that God showed up and you got there. Now, some of you have never done this before, and maybe you'll think about this for next year. But I always encourage couples where they say, well, how do we know? Like, we got the plan amount. 
How do we know what's the vision amount? And uh, I encourage them, go and pray. Go pray separately. We had one couple, they went and prayed separately, and uh, they were nervous about sharing the number because it was bigger than their plan, like a lot bigger. And so they said, why don't we keep praying? And then they came back a couple of days later, and they kind of tentatively said, this is the vision number. And the other person said, same number. That is so, how many know that's exciting? And if it ever doesn't happen that way, the bigger number's always God. How many know that, right? <laughs> oh, man. But have a vision and have a vision of what God could do bigger than your plan. And I just challenge you this. Sometimes that vision involves zeros and sometimes it involves percentages, okay? Some of us need to have a vision that we add another zero to it. But some of us, and I'm speaking to people here, you say, Pastor Rob, I'm not in my earning years. Pastor Rob, I may be in college. Pastor Rob, I'm, I, I, we're struggling to get by right now and, and it's, it's, it's a bigger thing. This vision number is bigger than the plan. Put it in percentages. Because I was talking to our interns this week and they were asking, they were saying, Pastor Rob, like if we only make $100 a week, you know, what does that really add up if we were to give something, even $20, what would that add up to in the miracle offering? How would that really make a difference? And I said, don't think of it that way. Don't think of it that way. Think of it this way, that the percentage will catch the attention of God because we serve a God that works in percentages. I said, catch his attention with your vision giving that you're going above and beyond your plan. Your plan would be, I can give $5 but maybe your vision giving could be I can double the percentage and give 100% more than I thought I could give, okay? So wherever you're at, some of you say, well, that's easy. I'll go from 10 to 100. You know, don't just do that. If you've got the means, think about it and, and, and go as far as you can with this. But if you don't have a lot, catch God's attention with the percentages that you give because he always loves all in. He loves sacrifice. And he says, this catches my attention. Now, uh, the third thing I'll tell you is there's some of you here and you're giving out of a dream. You're giving out of a dream. You have a dream that was bigger than your plan, bigger than your vision even, and you have a dream of what could God do through you even more, like way, he would just blow your mind and what could you do? And I have uh, different things that I've set as giving and receiving goals. You may not know this, but Uh, When the church was younger, I started to pray, God, we just need a gift to get us through. And God brought us a gift for $5,000 to the church. Church was maybe 100 people. And I can remember, I said, that was, Lord, thank you for that. I want to have giving goals. I said, I'm going to add a zero to that. Lord, could someday somebody give $50,000 in an offering? And I can remember when somebody gave $50,000 in an offering. And I was like, that's so awesome. Lord, could somebody give $500,000? Now, I'm telling you this. This is the truth. There is a one-time day that somebody gave $500,000. And ever since then, I've added another zero to it. And I've been praying ever since then, God, could somebody someday give a $5 million gift? How many want to add your faith to my faith, huh? But it's it's a dream. It's a dream. And that was there. But I have a dream in the way to give it out and saying, God, here's the dream of what I want to see us give through kingdom builders. It's a dream. It's bigger than just a plan or a vision. God, here's something for Rob and Becca Ketterling. What can we do as we lead this household? What could be a dream gift that through our life you could give this amount of money? And I won't tell you what that amount is, but it's a dream in my mind. And I can tell you what, I'm holding on to that dream. Now I challenge you, work the plan, 
write the vision down, and hold on to the dream. That's why we're here. So some of you are here because you planned. Some of you are here as part of the vision. Some of you are able to give towards your dream. God is showing up in ways that you never thought possible. And I challenge you to just hold on to that. Write the plan, work the plan, write down the vision, hold on to the dream, and do what God says. It just comes down to will we trust him? Will we trust him? Now today, I want to look briefly, before we go to the miracle offering, at the parable of the talents. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Parable of the talents, Matthew and Luke record this. Matthew and Luke record this, and he, it's interesting that Matthew records this, and he's talking about advancing the kingdom of God advancing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God going out where we're declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord, that people can be forgiven of their sins, that God wants to forgive them and be in relationship. And wherever we go, we can advance the kingdom of God. So Matthew's writing about the kingdom of God. And it's interesting when, he, when Jesus shares this parable, right after that, he talks about people being helped in need. He talks about expanding the kingdom and talks about stewarding it and understanding the gifts that we have to expand his kingdom. And then he talks about need, which kind of catches my attention because our kingdom builders is about expanding the kingdom of God and helping people in need. Okay, so in this story, let me read this to you. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Jesus is giving the parable and he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. No, I want you to stop. I'll, I'll stop for just a moment. He entrusted his wealth. Everything we have belongs to God. Right. Everything we have is his. Right. If you come to church and you say, well, today I give God his 10%, okay, you've missed it. He owns it all. Today we're returning the tithe to him, and then we give more. He owns it all. So he's giving his wealth to them. And it says, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, if I could stop there for just a moment. The amount that he gave of five bags of gold, a couple bags of gold, one bag, it was about five million, three million, and one million dollars. Puts this story in context, doesn't it? And he's like, I've got money. I want you to use this money for me. I I'm going to give it to you. And he gave it to each one of them according to their ability. And can I say this? Each of us has different abilities. Don't look around the room when it's miracle offering day and go, they need to give <laughs> five bags of gold, just one. You know, I mean, don't do that. All right. Each one of us, God knows what he's entrusted you with. And it's, and, and, in this story, he uses wealth, but it's everything you've been entrusted to. If you've got an amazing voice, you need to steward that and use it for the kingdom of God. If you have whatever you have, you need to use it for him. But he's talking about the income and the, the money and the things that God has given. So he says, the one who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. He said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many more things. Okay, just stop for a second there. How many know the reward of good work at work is to get more work? Some of you are like, that's why I slack off. I don't want all that work coming my way. Right? Well, this is where it comes from. 
When you're faithful, you get more. When you get faithful, you get more. And God's like, you're faithful with that? I'll give you more. You're faithful, I'll give you more. That'll be important later on. He says, I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Do not forget that line. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold came and said, master, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you're a hard man in harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Remember, the one who has much gets more. He says, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, it's serious stuff. We're talking about money. We're talking about stewardship. We're talking about everything that God has given you, your time, your talent, your treasure, everything. And he's saying, you're going to give account. You have to steward this. You have to take care of it. Now, the people in the biblical days would have understood this. They understood what a servant or steward was. They understood that everything they had was owned by someone else and all they were doing is managing it. And all we've got to realize now is everything we have, we are managing it for the glory of God. When you became a Christ follower, every part of you said, God, all of me, I'm following you, every bit of me, including your wallet. Okay, and you're saying, I'm, I'm there. You, you rule me, and I will give you return. Everything you give to me, I want to use it for your glory and for your honor. So they understood this. They understood that they were managing somebody else's stuff, and so the story is making sense. They're like, that's good. Those five, and they did five more. That is, those guys are really good. Now, here's the interesting thing. When they get to the last guy, we'll come back to the first two guys because I like them better. When they get to the last guy, the story's making sense until Jesus says that he's in trouble. Because in their culture, here's what was permitted. The rabbis would say, if you are afraid of what you've been given, if you've been entrusted some money from someone else, if you've been entrusted anything from someone else and you're afraid and you don't know what to do, if you bury what you've been given, you're not liable if somebody else finds it. Does that make sense? So if you had a bag of gold and somebody said, take this, it's my gold, turn it into more gold. You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And you're like, I know what I'll do. I'll bury it. Well, the rabbi said it was like liability insurance. And they said, if you bury it, and then when the person asks for it and you go to dig for it, it's gone. If somebody else finds it, you're not liable. So the story's making sense until all of a sudden Jesus goes, this guy's angry. He's like, I gave you this. I told you this. I wanted you to have this. I wanted you to multiply. And he's angry about it. He's saying, basically, I don't like it when people sit on the talents that I've given them. I've given them talents and I want them to use it for my glory. I want them to multiply. And he was changing everything. He was saying, no more safety. We need to risk whatever we can and trust that God will take care of us. He kind of blows their mind. He kind of blows their mind. And, and in their culture, you can imagine them thinking like, okay, so God's telling us to take what we have and use it for his glory and for his honor. And they were poor people. And I think sometimes when it comes to miracle offering, and I'm just talking to a few people, and, but 
I think sometimes we say, well, I, I, I'm like that guy. I just I don't have that much. And, and, you know, we're at the miracle offering. I'm just going to let that plate pass on by. And by the way, everybody's going to want to have an offering envelope at this end of this. Some of you, I'll explain it. Your campus pastors will explain it. But we say, somebody else should do it. Somebody else should do it. I'm just going to bury it. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to play it safe. I can't give. I can't give. Well, I'm going to tell you this. As poor as they were, they understood that they were to take what they had and use to advance the kingdom of God. We living in America are in the richest of the richest. If you make more than $36,000, you are in the richest 1% of the world. I know that sounds mind-boggling because you're comparing yourself to everybody else around you and you're trying to figure it out. But if you make more than $36,000, you're in the richest 1% of the world. And so it's time for us to realize that we are to be the good stewards. We are the kingdom builders. If the rest of the world and the Philippines and Europe and Africa and all these places that we're going in Cuba where they're begging me for the soap, I'm walking down the streets of Cuba and in Havana and they're begging me like, hey, do you have your soap from your hotel room? And they're trying not to be seen by the secret police. I, I just don't have any soap. Can you get me the soap from your room? When you're bringing the soap and the toiletries from your hotel room to the pastor and his wife and they start to break down because that's equal to one month's salary, stuff that we throw away, we are the world's richest. We are. And so we've got to say, okay, I can't bury what I have. I've got to use it for your glory. And if you thought, well, I could just bury, I could just let this slide. I am not a kingdom builder. I'm not going to give towards a miracle offering. Seriously, we are the richest of the richest. If not us, who? Now, the two good guys here, I love this, I love this, I love this. The two good guys, they were kingdom builders. They were saying, we're going to build it, we're going we're to go for it, we're going to add and do whatever we can, we want to do this. And I love the line in the parable, and I made you understand it. Come and share your master's happiness. Come and share your master's happiness. Because you know what? Money doesn't make you happy. I heard this the other day from a pastor. He said, I believe that the revival in America is going to happen through the rich people of this world because they're going to realize that money doesn't make them happy. They're going to realize it's emptiness, and all of a sudden they're going to grab hold of God and then plow their wealth into the kingdom of God. I'm praying for that day. And he says, come and share your master's happiness. It's not just making this gold into more gold. It's so that you can advance the kingdom. The whole thing of this parable is about how we can advance the kingdom because now the master can go into other areas and have more fuel to keep going and expanding the kingdom. And the happiness that we should be enjoying as givers is when we see the Convoy of Hope video and we get excited and we know people in the Philippines are receiving money or our food and water and clothing because we gave money. That makes me feel good. I sleep good at night. It's the picture of the Kenya, of the, of the care point that we built in Kenya. And I see these little kids learning about Jesus. Man, the joy and the happiness when I see the smile on their face and when I get the stuff sent to me from the missionaries. It's the joy of the happiness when you step out in faith and you say, God, can you do it? Like a family did this year at our church and they said, God, we'd love to give, this is our plan, but here's our vision. And all of a sudden, God gave them an unexpected raise and they're like, yes! That's the joy you start realizing God's got my back. He's taking care of me. It's the joy that you know that when you sent your child to camp that we support Lake Geneva Bible Camp. 
It's the joy of knowing that when you sent your rebellious teenager there and they call you and they say, I found Christ, I'm solid with Jesus, my eternity is set. That's the happiness. That's the happy, that's why we're doing it. And that's why we get excited and happy about it. It's the joy and the happiness of the dad that told me this week, he said, his son said, when I grow up, I'm gonna be a pro football player. Then after I'm a pro football player, I'm gonna be like a famous owner of businesses and architects. And he goes, but every year, I will for sure give $10,000 to kingdom builders. <laughs> I loved it. It made my day. And that dad was just beaming. He's like, he's just, my son's getting it into him. That's like a million dollars. That's the joy of knowing that we get it, that Jesus has changed our life. It's the joy of the family and the church that paid off their mortgage and said, God, now that our mortgage is paid off, we're gonna roll that into the kingdom of God. And think about it, when the biggest expense you have is not your mortgage, but the biggest check you write is to advance the cause of Christ, man, that's the happiness of giving. That's pretty exciting. It's every orphan we hold in Swaziland and every child that we rescue out of human sex trafficking. Man, that's the joy and the happiness because people matter. And you know what? Here's the thing I've thought about. There's a bunch of people that hoard and hold on. And have you ever noticed that hoarders hold on? Like I'm talking real hoarders. They, they hold on and hold on and hold on until the people they love can't even fit in their house. You ever think about that? Some of us hold on and hold on and hold on and the people we should be loving as we're generous aren't even in our world. Man, let's be givers and enter in the joy of the happiness of knowing that we're making a difference for eternity. It's the happiness that we step into when we understand that it's more blessed to give than receive. Man, that's what it's all about. And I can tell you this, givers are the happiest people I know. Take a look around the campus right now. Look for happy people. They're givers, I'm telling you right now. And I'm praying that the church will be like the first two. They will trust God, we'll enter into his happiness. We'll have a plan, we'll have a vision, we'll have a dream, and we'll enjoy all that God is doing through us, through kingdom builders. And we're gonna say, God, I'm going for it. And I'm just asking you to trust God. Whatever God says to do, you trust him and obey. Because obeying God is the start of a miracle. How many know that? You just obey him, and all of a sudden, it's the start of a miracle. All of a sudden, you just, you write it down, you do it, you give, and it's the start of the miracle, and I'm praying for that. I'm praying you'll know the joy of saying, God, how much could you funnel through me? How much could you funnel through me? God, if I just keep raising the percentage as my income goes up and I keep giving more, how much could you funnel through me through my lifetime? That's the happiness. That's the happiness and knowing that we can keep giving and fueling the expansion of the kingdom of God. And we thank God for that. And because our lives have been changed, we count it a joy to be able to give in this miracle offering. Would you bow your heads here and at all of our campuses and let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is a joy to give. There's happiness in giving. There's happiness in giving. And may we never be a church that holds still and says, it's enough for me. I'm going to just take care of me. May we be a church that is generous on every occasion and says, we'll plan. We will have a vision. We will have a dream. We will give millions to the kingdom of God and advance the cause of Christ around this world. I pray that when we do that, we'd experience the happiness. And may today uh, just fill us with happiness as we're able to give and advance your cause through the miracle offering. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.
We are so excited this year as Kingdom Builders continues to grow to make a difference for God's glory. We've been able to start campuses in Valencia, Spain, and also in Swaziland. And it's been such a joy to see Kingdom Builders launch those campuses, sustain those campuses, and help them to grow to reach so many people with the message of Jesus Christ. It's with huge anticipation that we look forward to the Minatrista campus being completed. That expansion project has been underway for a while now, and we're so excited to reach more people in that area. The Savage Campus will be renamed the Shakopee Campus as we have 14 acres of land and believing that our new facility will help us to reach thousands of people and be a, a flagship campus for people to find Jesus Christ. Recognizing the value of reaching children and reaching teenagers, Kingdom Builders has led the way in expanding our kids' area. In addition to that, we've invested in Lake Geneva Bible Camp where our teenagers and our children go to summer camp we also believe that generations behind them, our college students, are worthy of being invested in, and we've partnered with North Central University, helping it to reach more people that will eventually become the future pastors and missionaries in our movement. That's why we're so excited about Kingdom Builders investing in RVLI, our internship program, and saying we believe in the next generation. This is a church that will train you, equip you, and send you out to change the world. Globally, we've invested in Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge, and we've helped to launch the app that will help revolutionize the way that kids read the Bible and the way that they understand it and seeing the Word of God come alive. We've also said that getting vehicles for our missionaries, that's a priority. We want to help resource them so they can reach more people. We're talking about advancing the kingdom of God and bringing life-giving churches to places that desperately need them. That's why we partnered in Estonia as part of the church planning initiative. We're also partners with Live Dead, raising up a multinational team to reach the world's unreached people groups with the love of Jesus Christ. In addition to that, we're involved in India, helping to train up pastors and start new churches and partner together to say we will help build the local body of Christ all around the world. Never forget that Kingdom Builders also helps the hurting. All around the world we do this, but also through ministries like Teen Challenge, where those that are addicted to drugs and alcohol find hope and healing and deliverance in Jesus Christ. We are supporting ministries like Convoy of Hope that are the first ones there to bring hope and relief in all disaster situations. That we're helping with One Hope, bringing Bibles to Tanzania and bringing the gospel to children all around the world. There should be a growing excitement in your life that through Messenger International, we're helping the underground churches and that through A21, we're helping to rescue people out of human sex trafficking. Kingdom Builders is making a huge difference. How many are excited to give right now for the miracle offering? Are you excited for that opportunity? It's so good. It's so good. Now, just so you know, this is the only time we do our offering like this. If you're visiting with us, um, I hope you caught how come we're so excited about this. Because Jesus Christ has changed our life, and we understand what it's like to expand the kingdom of God and give it to someone else. But this is our miracle offering, and in just a moment, we're going to have everyone uh, get up from their seat and come forward. That's why I said everyone needs an envelope. So if you still need an envelope, I think you can flag down an usher. But everybody needs one, whether you're giving in the offering or not, and I'll explain that in just a second here. 
Um, this is our opportunity now where it says on this envelope, tithe, kingdom builders, and on the kingdom builders line, anything that's given there is going to be given towards this miracle offering moment. Now I encourage you, you know, some of you brought your tithe or you have your regular giving where we support the work of the church. Don't scratch off tithe and put it to kingdom builders. Keep giving your tithe. This is over and above. And this is how we do it at River Valley. But it's a great opportunity for us to do this and to say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm doing this right now. I'm giving this and I'm all in for this. Now, some of you give online. Matter of fact, I think it's almost 50% of the church gives online. I'd encourage you, just take your blank envelope and uh, get ready to just drop it in the bucket. All right? If you want, you could actually write there, I give online. You don't have to write your name. If you want to do something right there, that's fine. Or you can just put the blank envelope. You know what you're doing. Um, some of you uh, would like to text to give, and we actually have that option. Maybe you've seen this in the pre-service slides, but if you text to number 28950, you can actually set that up. A lot of people like to text to give now. It's a safe way to do it, and you can actually give your tithe that way, your kingdom builders that way, gold project. I mean, all sorts of opportunities for you to do that. You could write on your envelope, I text, all right? And uh, if you're there, and some of you would like to give stock options, I just want to make this available to you to let you understand. When people would like to give stock options, we received uh, gifts this week, thousands of dollars in stock options, where people can not pay capital gains, but give all of that money to the church. Now think about it, instead of cashing the stocks in and then giving it, you could give it straight to and give appreciated stock to the church, and it's a great way. And I let you know that all sorts of people do it. Uh, Jim Garvey is our business administrator. He would love to be able to help you to transfer stock. So I'm just giving you the options on how people can give. But as you go and give, in just a moment, you're going to write on that envelope or just have it blank and be able to drop it in. But there's another group you say, I don't have anything to give. I'm here. I'm unemployed. I, I have no cash on me. My debit card's closed. I mean, I, I got nothing, okay? Here's what I want you to do. If you're in that position where you can't give, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, but I would love for you to take that blank envelope and say, God, could you fill it with something next year? That's all I want you to do. Could you fill it by faith next year? Maybe between now and the end of the year, could you do something way outside of me and give me an opportunity to give? So I just encourage you to do that. 